Welcome to Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. It's the classic Jesus music radio show. It's a look back at where it all began. This is Full Circle, looking back at the beginnings of today's contemporary Christian music. Now, Now, here's your host, Jerry Bryant. Hi everybody, this is Jerry Bryant, and welcome to another edition of Full Circle, the classic Jesus music radio show, where I'm taking you back to where it all began. On this episode, I'll be talking with a man who's played many various roles within the music world. Drummer, percussionist, Alex McDougall. A member of numerous early Jesus music groups in the 70s, as well as a studio musician for literally hundreds of albums during that time, well into the following three decades.
Looking back to 1973, you're caught in a world from a band called The Way. And a song that had a 70s pop hit written all over it, featuring our special guest, Alex McDougal on drums. Alex started with a group called Selah in 1972, went all the way to an album released by Daniel Amos in 2013. And along with being a musician, he's also been a producer, served as vice president of special projects for EMI Christian Music, general manager of Vineyard Music Group, and executive vice president of Maranatha Music. He's created and developed music concepts and projects for Time Life, Guideposts, Reader's Digest, Publisher's Clearinghouse, and even Avon. And currently, he's an adjunct professor at Dallas Baptist University as part of the Music Business Degree Program, lecturing many times at Baylor University's Hankapper School of Business, and Christ for the Nations Institute. And if that's not enough, he works with Worship Leader Magazine in an editorial capacity. But Alex is best known for being a member of the band Daniel Amos, especially during the 1981 horrendous disc tour, where the group took out two drummers, almost as if to let everyone know, we're not a country rock band anymore. He also has toured with some notable musicians throughout the years, including Andre Crouch, Terry Talbot, Richie Furry, Randy Stonehill, and Larry Norman. So I'm entitling this show from the other side of the stage because I'm highlighting an artist who doesn't normally get the spotlight but he's made a significant mark on the music genre as a whole knees deep within Jesus music from the very beginning and Alex is also a good friend who has a unique perspective on Jesus music Alex was one of the musicians that was around during those first years in which a move of the spirit took place at Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, California. And it spread like wildfire all over the country. And it became known as the Jesus Movement. None of us back then could resist it, and well, it's the reason I'm doing this show today. That first group that Alex was in, Selah, led worship services at Calvary. And Alex also played with the group that opened this episode, still one of my favorites, The Way. We talked about that band and its unique album cover art. Full circle. What were those days like back in Calvary Chapel? Did Chuck just walk up and say, I'm talking about Pastor Chuck Smith, you guys are going to be playing next Sunday on stage? I think that's kind of how it worked. There was somewhat of an informal rotation happening. And although Selah was a lot of fun to be with and they were great friends, uh, and was different, was a unique Christian group to, to the others that were starting up at that time because we had two female lead singers. We never recorded a, a project, a full project. The only thing that I can remember was that first song, and that was before I joined, but it was on the uh, Everlasting Living Jesus Music Festival album, and uh, Cindy and Joy recorded that as Selah. But that group had John Bellis, who later was a bass player and later went on to play for, for years um, in different groups. And Eric Nelson was in that group. 
myself, um, a guitar player named Craig Stevens, and of course, the girls, Cindy and Joy. Joy went on to be with the other groups, one in particular. That's right. Joy went on to uh, be a part of the group Parable back in the early 70s with John Wickham and Chuck Butler. And uh, listeners will probably know John's name from The Way, which is, which is uh, the next group I was in, and Chuck Butler as well, because he was also in Parable. And both of those men are fathers of some... Uh, uh, pretty famous guys in Christian music these days. John being John Wickham being Phil and Evan Wickham's dad, and uh, Chuck Butler being Chad Butler's father. And Chad has been the drummer since the foundation of the group Switchfoot. Actually, I had a chance to meet his dad one afternoon when I was in Southern California at his house. They were on a break and. He said, Dad's coming over. Well, you guess what Dad did? He went to the trunk of his car and gave me every Parable album he'd ever recorded. That's great. <laughs> That's great. I want to talk about The Way because one of the reasons as an early Jesus music DJ that I was attracted to The Way, other than the music, first of all, the, the cover of The Way featured a claymation-type Character. Uh, do you remember anything about the background and how that all came together? Well, I'm not one of those clay figures, although I played drums on that album. I was hired as a session player, but the four statues that are on that were made by a friend of theirs. Um, and so Bruce, John, Gary, and um, Dana all had their uh, likenesses, and, and to this day, I'm sure they still own those um, images now, or those statues. Now, um, the producer of that record, I remember we recorded that at nights at Mama Joe's studio up in North Hollywood. Uh, we recorded at night because the daytime sessions were being used by a group called Ambrosia. And so our producer was uh, Buck Herring uh, for the first Way album. And after that record, I joined the band officially. What was it like traveling on the road with the Way? Well, it could be pretty intense at times. There were some uh, personalities that often didn't get along, but I will say I had some wonderful times with the group and we traveled all over the U.S. and that was my first group to do a lot of national touring with was The Way. It's interesting to note that I did this interview with Alex just three days before Billy Graham went home to be with the Lord. The late Billy Graham was a big supporter of Jesus music, starting with him being at Explo 72, the festival in Dallas. That's where I first saw him. Billy would have Christian music artists on the stage throughout the years on his crusades. So, from the founder of the group, Daniel Amos, in which Alex has played, here's Terry Taylor in one of his side groups called the Swirling Eddies, with a song from 1989, which plays tribute to this humble servant of God, the late Billy Graham. And coming up later in the show, we'll head back to Southern California, catch a song from one of the best-known singer-songwriters from the birthplace of Jesus music. I don't know about those other guys There's something in the back of their but Billy, you're the man Who don't you slide a hand 
ain't wearing no disguise. I love you, Billy. I love the simple things you say, and you never seem to get in the way. No one is quite like you, passionate and true, just as I am. I say. Hi, this is Terry Taylor from Daniel Amos on Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. This is Jerry Bryant. Let's continue our conversation with Alex McDougall and his recollections of the group Daniel Amos. Well, you know I want to talk about Daniel Amos because for a lot of us, this was groundbreaking music, um, country rock with uh, lyrics that really, you know, hit the heart. And so tell us a little bit about Daniel Amos, a band that even at one time went out with two drummers, yourself and Ed McTaggart, on that horrendous disc tour, (laughs) which has still got to be something you you have fond memories of. I really do. And uh, what happened was I had been on the road I don't remember if it was with Randy Stonehill or Richie Fure, but I had been on the road and I flew back to Southern California to track on um, actually Shotgun Angel. And um, I remember just uh, tearing up in the studio because I couldn't believe that these guys had pulled that off. It was so magical, it was so wonderful. So I played my parts on uh, Shotgun Angel and got to know the guys because we all went to Calvary Chapel, although I was sort of in and out at the time because I was on the road so much. But I got to be really good friends with them and they made me laugh. They were such funny guys. So in 70, 19, it was 77 or 78, I ended up joining the band. Uh, and one of the conditions that I wanted to do was have two drum sets on stage because I was a drummer also and be able to play drums and percussion. And so that's when we started Horrendous Disc. The basic tracks we recorded in our pajamas with doors locked and we stayed in there for a week until we had finished uh, the basic tracking for uh, Horrendous Disc. And then it just became a huge canvas with uh, lots of musical color for us all to experiment on. And uh, so I have the best memories uh, with my DA buddies. Well, there's a song that I want to play called I Love You, and maybe you can give me a little thought concerning that, uh, because it there were so many great songs on that album that were groundbreaking. But tell me about I Love You. Well, Terry wrote that song because if the story comes to mind correctly, we had a lot of backlash. Daniel Amos had been sort of a country rock band, and then had gone into this new music that a lot of people didn't like. Which reminds me of when Bob Dylan went electric in uh, 1965 at the Newport Folk Festival. He divided his audience because half of his audience were purists. They wanted him to remain a folk artist, and the other half 
enjoyed him going rock, more rock and roll. And so we found that same dynamic with us. Terry wrote that song to reach out to people. I love you. And so I remember when we played that tune at um, Greenbelt in the UK in 1980, we played that. And I remember there were probably 40,000 people that just erupted. They loved that song. So uh, yeah, that was one of the more popular tunes from uh, that time period. The band, Daniel Amos, and I Love You. 
with not just one, but two drummers, Ed McTaggart, and my special guest, Alex McDougall. And I love you too, all of the faithful listeners to this classic Jesus music radio show. Your letters, your support, have really encouraged me to keep on digging into the files for some of the great songs that could be forgotten if not shared with those who love Jesus music. It's my joy to play them for you again. And well, there's also a whole new generation that have never even heard these songs and don't know these incredible artists who are pioneers for today's CCM. You know, you could help in sharing these memories with them too. How? Well, go to www.fullcirclejesusmusic.com. That's fullcirclejesusmusic.com and check out our archives, past shows and photos and radio and internet affiliates. And if you want to keep the tunes alive, there's a donate button on the top right of the page and all support, one time or monthly, large or small, makes a difference. You'll receive an immediate tax-exempt receipt from Giving Fuel. Thanks. Hi, this is Bob Bennett. You're listening to Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. Classic Jesus music looking back to where it all began. Thanks for staying tuned. I'm talking with Alex McDougall, and we discussed his session work with many various artists. Now, I think you've been asked this question before, and it's so hard to answer these kind of questions, but about all the projects you've been a part of, do you have uh, one in particular you say, you know, that's something I would have loved to have done (laughs) the rest of my life. It was so fulfilling. Well, I probably have to answer that with three projects that I played on. One would be Richie Furet's I've Got a Reason, the first uh, solo album he did, Richie did. Secondly, I would probably say Bob Bennett's third album, Nonfiction. Um, the players that I that I worked with in the studio were of such exceptional uh, caliber. Uh, some of them had been idols of mine, musical idols from back when before I was a Christian. Jimmy Keltner on drums, Vinnie Caliuta on drums, Flynn Johnson on bass, David Mansfield on guitar. We cut, uh, there's a track called Savior of the World, which uh, the producer Jonathan Brown allowed me, I don't know, four, five, six tracks just for percussion to um, intro the song. But we cut the track live, and then I came back in and added the other parts. That was that was pretty special to me to do that. And then, of course, D.A., horrendous disc uh, because there's just so much um, creativity happening on that record. So probably those three records. Well, I don't have time to play all three of those records, but let's feature the song from the Bob Bennett album that was mentioned. Looking back to 1985 from the album Nonfiction, Bob Bennett with Alex McDougal on percussion and a song called Savior of the World on Full Circle with Jerry Bryant.
Savior of the World, from the album Nonfiction. Full circle. Full circle. Full circle. Getting back to the heart of the matter on Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. This is Jerry Bryant. If you're just tuning in, my guest on this episode is Alex McDougall, who played percussion on that album, Nonfiction. Bob Bennett. And producing that project was the late Jonathan David Brown, an old bandmate of his from the group Seth. I also spoke with Alex about some of the pioneers of Christian music that he has worked with, and, well, here's how part of that conversation went. You know, Alex, there are people that stand out who were forerunners in contemporary Christian music back in the day when we called it Jesus music, but certainly they paved the way for the kind of music that came out of that error. And I know we focus a lot on the fact that you were Daniel Amos, but there were other solid rock artists, such as Larry Norman and, of course, Randy Stonehill. Reflect on uh, your time with Larry Norman. You traveled in the band for a while. I sure did. I traveled with both Larry and Randy for probably three years and recorded on their records. Uh, With Randy... uh, I know I played percussion, and I can't remember if I played drums on Randy's stuff. And Larry, I played drums, uh, particularly on his uh, Something New Under the Sun album. Uh, But I did tour with both of them. I originally saw Larry, I'll say 1970, in a park in Fullerton, California. He held a crowd of about 2,000, completely captivated. And all he had was a six-string nylon string guitar. I've never seen anyone do that. Um, He was mesmerizing. But I did not meet Larry then. I actually met Larry right at the same time I met Randy. And that was in 1977. I was on the road with Terry Talbot. We were playing at a Jesus Music Festival in um, Lincoln, Nebraska. And Randy was offstage. And I came off stage from playing with Terry, and Randy said, hey, would you be in my band? Do you live in L.A.? And I said, yes, I do. He said, would you be in my band uh, when we all get back to California? And I said, absolutely. And that's how that happened. But what I didn't know was that Larry was at that festival as well. Um, the next morning, we were, all, we were all staying at the same uh, motel. The next morning, I came out to our van to leave with uh, Terry Talbot, and Larry Norman came up to me in the parking lot uh, and said, uh, would you be in my band? And I said, sure. And it was just that easy. It was that simple. You know, I do know that after the tour with Randy, Alex went into the studio with him and recorded the album entitled The Sky is Falling. And looking back to 1980, here's Mr. Stonehill's commentary on Well, what has been referred to as the vast wasteland. And coming up, don't miss a soliloquy from one of CCM's most prophetic songwriters on Full Circle.
brain in neutral Turn on the television set Take off your shoes and don't worry They haven't cut the power off yet I don't know So I went on home and I tried his prescription American Cure on Full Circle. Randy's still going strong, nearly 50 years performing Jesus music. And to think that he wrote that song when there were only four channels on the air. And of course, helping him out was Alex McDougall, doing some fine work on the percussive instruments. Larry Norman pitched in on the harmonica and the late Tom Howard played keyboards on Randy's second album for Solid Rock Records. Well, you probably realize, I grew up watching TV when there were only four channels. 
And there was no CCM radio station or even shows. So in 1972, I started Jesus Solid Rock. Eventually, it was played on over 100 radio stations, along with a couple more shows that came out about that time. And even though the name changed from Jesus Solid Rock to Full Circle Jesus Music, I'm still spinning the tunes as the financial support comes in. Just a FYI, that even with the hundreds of downloads of this show via internet around the world, there are less than a dozen regular supporters. Maybe you could join them in giving to this ministry monthly or even one time, large or small. Go to www.fullcirclejesusmusic.com. That's fullcirclejesusmusic.com. If you want to help us keep the tunes alive, there's a donate button at the top right of the page, and all support, every penny, one time, monthly, large or small, makes a difference. And you'll receive an immediate tax-exempt receipt from Giving Fuel. Thanks so much. This is Jerry Bryant, and in my next segment of the interview, Alex spoke with me about some of the other solid rock artists that he had worked with in the past. Well, we miss the late Larry Norman. We also miss Mark Hurd and Tom Howard, two um, amazing men that you had an opportunity to play with. Reflect on Tom Howard, uh, and then we'll come back, and I really want you to just share anything from your heart concerning Mark. But I had Tom on the show, and he's very quiet-spoken. I had to ask a lot of questions because he would stop after the first sentence. But he never did that when he orchestrated music. No, he sure did not. He was absolutely prolific in music and his musical thinking. I met Tom when uh, I met Randy, uh, or just after that, when I got back to California and went uh, over to meet up with Randy, Tom was there, and Tom was going to serve as Randy's musical director. So I became friends with Tom, and Tom ended up moving in with me, and uh, we shared rent uh, down in Orange County. So I got to know Tom very well, and he was he was a friend and uh, one of the sweetest men I've ever known in my life. And I was just stunned and shocked and heartbroken when he passed. Um, and Mark, Mark was a sweet man. I knew Mark because he often would sit in with Larry's band. Mark also had me play percussion on his um, Appalachian Melody album. Uh, we did that up in North Hollywood, I think at Chris Christian's house, if I remember. There was a studio behind the house, and I think that's where we recorded, where I put my parts on. But Mark was just a dear, sweet man, uh, very soft-spoken, very, very intelligent, and I thoroughly enjoyed being around Mark whenever I could be. I actually heard of Mark's heart attack uh, from Terry Taylor. Terry called me from uh, Cornerstone and he said, pray for Mark. Mark's just had a heart attack. And uh, we just, we're, we were all in disbelief at that time. I've told the story on other uh, Full Circle episodes. I was backstage and was there when it happened, when the ambulance came. I don't think any of us really understood that it could be fatal. We were hoping that it was just uh, the stress of touring. And I wonder if you can try to capsulize why Mark was such an amazing 
artist. There's something really different about his lyrics and his progressive changes in his songs that they've lived on forever. I think folks often might have pigeonholed Mark thinking or assuming that he was a Southern guy that didn't really uh, experience much outside of that Southern culture, which is absolutely wrong. Mark lived at Labrie, you know, studied there under Francis Schaeffer. Mark had a huge world and was not really the quiet person that people painted him to be. He was not altogether introspective. He was, he could be very vocal, very opinionated, uh, but always with intelligence behind it. He had thought through everything before he spoke. And I think that translated to his music too. He listened to a lot of different kinds of music. So um, I think that might be why Mark's music still lives on. He lived in a bigger world than a lot of us do. With one of those songs that showed how Mark Hurd would really think through a song before just throwing it all together, here's Sidewalk Soliloquy. Whenever I venture from my home, why do I feel so
the late, great Mark Hurd from the 1979 album Appalachian Melody with Sidewalk Soliloquy. The string arrangements on that track were written, arranged, and conducted by the late Tom Howard. And if you paid close attention, you also heard my special guest, Alex McDougall, playing congas on it as well. Now, in my conversation with Alex, we talked a lot about his life. Unfortunately, we don't have enough time to air it all, but back in 2011, before he went back to school to become a teacher, he got a call from Bob Bennett, who wanted to do an album from Jesus Music Classics, and, well, he wanted Alex to be part of it. The idea for the project took root when one day Bob started to play Larry Norman's song, UFO while just kind of goofing around on his guitar at home. And he got to thinking that no one has really gone back and taken some of the most memorable songs from the Jesus movement, put their own spin on it, and introduced it to a whole new artist. So I asked Alex to tell us more regarding that LP, and well, here's what he had to say. I want you to tell me about Jesus Music again, a CD that I've really enjoyed. Well, thank you. That project was really a labor of love between Bob Bennett, Bill Batstone, and myself. Now, I mentioned Bob earlier. I had played on his first three albums, and we've been buddies, pals, touring partners. We toured as a trio, actually, for one year. With It was Bob, John Patitucci, and myself. The three of us toured back in uh, the early 80s. And so that was a pretty wonderful experience. But the, the other person on this project, Bill Batstone, Billy and I, the very first Christian band that we were ever in was a band called Rebirth. This is, this is before Selah. So Selah was the first kind of band out of Calvary but, that I was in. But uh, Rebirth was David Diggs, Bill Batstone, myself, and my brother Bo. And then another guy, uh, Paul Johnson, uh, played drums. And so uh, I've known Billy since uh, 1971, probably. And uh, since then, Billy has written a massive amount of exceptional Christian content songs. He's played on the worship team for Franklin Graham for, I think, 27 years. He's played on the worship team for Greg Laurie for at least that long as well. And the three of us decided we wanted to sort of pay homage to some great old uh, Christian songs. Uh, Billy re- engineered it all, and we did it at uh, in Billy's studio uh, in Costa Mesa, California. And so that's how Jesus Music Again started. And um, yeah, thanks for bringing that record up. I love that record. I play it because it really does give people a fresh look at some of the amazing songs that we had. Let me add that some of the songs on that project were love songs, Little Country Church, the second chapter of Axe's Easter song, and Until Your Love Broke Through, which was written by Keith Green, Randy Stonehill, and Todd Fishkind. But the song was first recorded by Phil Kagey, who lends his fine guitar work on the song Presence of the Lord from the album Jesus Music Again.
never could be floored And I know I don't have much to give But I can't open any door Everybody knows the secret
Stone and Alex McDougall with their own take on the song Presence of the Lord. One of the many songs from that era that made it on Top 40 Radio because it was originally recorded by a secular artist who recorded a Jesus music song because it was the popular thing to do at the time, not because of any personal spiritual conviction. This is Jerry Bryant. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I really had a great time reconnecting with Alex McDougall after all these years. Thanks, Alex. Well, I want to end the show with some amazing road stories that he shared with me, as well as some closing thoughts. You alluded to traveling with Bob Bennett and all these other bands. Uh, are there a couple of remarkable stories that you always sit around and talk about, like, do you remember when, where something went incredibly wrong or something that was so funny you you can never get it out of your mind. You want to tell us about any of that just as we close? Well, one of those stories comes to mind. Uh, D.A., of course. We were playing in Wilmore, Kentucky, late 70s, and um, one of our roadies was backing up our equipment truck and knocked the power line down, which shut the concert down you know, for a while until they could you know, get everything working again. But then, you know, fast forward, I don't know, 40 years or how, how many years it's been, a long time, um, I read that Vice President Pence was at the concert in Wilmore, Kentucky when Daniel Amos was playing and gave his life to the Lord. So that's a story that blows my mind. Another story, DA-wise, that blows my mind is that um, when DA played at Greenbelt in the UK in 1980, we had these little red buttons with green letters that I had made up that just said DA. And we passed them out to folks. Well then, later on, there's a picture of U2, of the drummer, and he's wearing that button on his coat. So that, that's pretty cool, I think. You never know the lives that we touch by a song or a concert. And I'm so grateful that I can say that Alex is my friend and that we've gone through a lot of things together, but uh, I, I'm so grateful, too, that the music of my generation was impacted by the gift that God gave him and his willingness to share it. So thanks for being on the show again. Oh, absolutely. It's been my pleasure, and it's humbling, and um, I'm grateful to God for everything. I Never in my wildest dreams would I have thought that my uh, life would unfold the way that it has and I'd have so many wonderful opportunities and experiences and friends made along the way. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep your eyes to the sky and let your light shine. This is Jerry Bryant. Full Circle is recorded in the Jesus Solid Rock Studios in Nashville, Tennessee. Written by Russell Baum and engineered by Jeff Kane. Full Circle is a JSR production. This is Full Circle.